This is the third week in a series on the Holy Spirit called um, Deep Waters. And the reason I say Deep Waters is that getting close to God and being filled with the Holy Spirit and stepping into some of the things that are, uh, are, are that will, will take you, in a sense, to the next level in your relationship with God have to do with uh, uh, things that can be a little bit mysterious. Um, when it comes to... Uh, the last couple of weeks, the first week was, was, was foundational. We talked about God's overall big plan. And what I mean by that is, and you could, you could <laughs> interestingly enough, you could go back to the, the Old Testament and you see where God was saying, okay, something interesting and different is going to happen one of these days. And you'll see those passages of Scripture in the book of Joel. You'll see those in, in Ezekiel and in Jeremiah and throughout, just bits and pieces. And it's kind of like the messianic uh, prophecies that, uh, by the way, it's good to see you. You look great. You look great. Uh, and, and, you know, it's, it's wonderful to see uh, babies and babies to be born and, 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 and their carriers. <laughs> you know that you're just carrying you're you're just you're just a carrier today, right? No, I'm teasing. But and it's it's good to be in the house of God and 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 know that He has a heritage that you pass that you'll pass a heritage down to children and to their children and to their children. You know, you never know. Uh, and that's God's. You know, let me go go off on this rabbit trail, if you will. Um, that's God's plan. That's God's purpose. And that's, when I, t- you know, when I look at the scriptures and I see the, the you might say, these farming or these agricultural um, uh, 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 little stories that Jesus told and the, and the examples that he used, um, it was made really clear to me the power of God's plan uh, this year when we, when we cut the, the soil up on the side of the hill next to the house and we planted stuff. And, and I realized that one, one little corn kernel when we planted that uh, you know most corn stalks would produce two maybe three heads and each head had what about 18 what, I don't know I can't remember but it was it was well over a thousand seeds that that one seed produced that's God's plan okay and when you share the gospel with someone and and they decide to take Take it on board, right? You know, not everybody's going to take it on board. When you share the gospel with, your, with someone, it, there's a geometric multiplication. The, with the people who receive and embrace the word of God, embrace Jesus, embrace salvation, and say, we, I want to serve God, there's a geometric multiplication. You know, that begins one and two. Now, now, Valley and I, we had two children. Now there are three out there. I mean, I, we, the... the, the, the the, the young man who married uh, Julie, and we don't know where that seed will go, where that seed of the gospel will go, and how that will multiply. But I want you to know that when, see, we, we water, we provide, uh, we provide the water, we plant, we plant it, we provide the water, and God provides what? The increase, the increase. So there's always faith involved. And it's not just about, it's really not about agriculture as much as it is about the kingdom of God, okay? So, so many of you are, are, are you're, you're here because somebody else shared the gospel with you, down, uh, cascading down from generation to generation to generation. Faithfulness, faithfulness, God's grace, God's power, God's love, amen? 
and, and that, that, that produces just amazing changes in people's lives. Amazing. Amazing. Amen? All right. Okay. That, that's, that's enough of that trail. It's good. It's good. Now, I, I asked you what was the biggest fear uh, when it came to sharing uh, your faith in Jesus Christ. Now, I'm going to talk about that today. Today's entitled, Not Only Deep Waters, But No Fear. Uh, the first message was foundational about the, the, the big plan that God had and what he was going to do and the presence of the Holy Spirit in each and every one of us. Last week, I talked about uh, um, um, what's behind door number one. Now, now, because Jesus did talk about uh, when the Holy Spirit would come. In, Je- in the book of John, you see many, many uh, instances where Jesus was preparing his disciples and saying to them, when he comes, he says, it's, it's, it's to your benefit that I go away, because if I don't go away, he will not go- come, and if I go away, I will send him to you, and when he gets here, he's going to do this, 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 and this, and this. I mean, it's, the book of John is full of this stuff. And so if you want to know, if, if you want to take the Holy Spirit from that typically relegated position of the third person that we don't, of, the, of, of God, the third person of the Trinity, that we really don't know what he does, you know? If you, want to, if you want to bring him into the biblical context of your life, read the book of John. And then read the, the scriptures that I've, been, that I've been planting in your hearts in these last few weeks. Did, did you know that, that the Holy Spirit is Emmanuel right now? God with us. He said, he, G, John said, it's, or Jesus said, it's, it's to your advantage I go away because when I go away, he will come. He, you know the Holy Spirit. He is with you. He shall be in you. That makes all the difference. That, that, that connects back to the passages way back in Ezekiel where he said, look, there's coming a day when I will take out your heart of stone and I will put a heart of flesh in you and I will write my law upon it. That was, that's what he was pointing to. The day when the Holy Spirit would, would, would reside in, in each believer in power. Okay? Okay? So we get that. All right. Now, I want to talk about fear. I want to talk about no fear today. And, and to do that, I want to go to the, to the book of Acts, the first chapter. I talked to you about last week about receiving the gift of the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. What was behind uh, door number one was tongues. Okay? Tongues. Yeah? And if you missed it last week, I expect that it will be up on podcast real soon. Well, you really need to know what tongues is all about. That's not just jibber-jabber and weird people. Okay? Really. I mean, really. I remember there was this Holy Roller Church behind our house when I was a kid. Can I use that term? I guess I can. I am. I are one. You know? And we were a kid. I was a kid, and I remember, you know, and, and, and it was just like across the back, and, and we could hear the music going on. And I, you know, I remember just, that's just a kid thinking, wow, they're real. You know, I never heard, thought of church like that, you know? But I remember my mother said, oh, those are just holy rollers over there. Okay? Now I understand. Now I understand what there's joy to, that there's joy to, to experience and to, and to express. When God comes into your life, when he saves you and he takes away your sin and he fills you with his Holy Spirit, yeah, you're not the same. You're going to express yourself if you allow yourself the expression of worship. You're going to express yourself in ways that other people are going to think is a little weird. Okay? And that's the rub. What will you do with that? And it's not just the expression. It's who you are. It's who you are. Okay? All right. 
let's, let's, uh, I talked about how to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, how important that was. That is not optional equipment. I mean, think about it. Jesus spent the last part of the book of John, and he said, look, go to Jerusalem, guys. I, I know I want you to go into all the world and teach and preach the gospel. You see that in, in that, that commission in Matthew 28, 19. But he said, but wait. In the first chapter he said, uh, of, of Acts, he said, but go back to Jerusalem and wait for the promise of the Father. Wait for it. They sat, I mean, they didn't even know what they were waiting for, the promise of the Father. Okay? Whatever that was. And I told you how that, you remember, he, he blew on them and <sighs> received the Holy Spirit. That was after his resurrection, <sighs> received the Holy Spirit. And on the day of Pentecost, that was about 50 days uh, beyond the, the, the Passover, and the, the, the death and the resurrection. And, and, and during that period of time, Jesus died, resurrected, and spent time with his disciples, right? We know that. This is how the story unfolds. If this is all weird to you, read, 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 read the Bible. This, uh, you know, I, it's just like, read it. It's there. It's in the book of Acts. It's in the book of, I mean, if you really want, if, you, if, you, if, you want, if you're a big person on, on, on bits and pieces and knowledge and stuff, read Luke and then Acts. Luke wrote both both of those, and kind of gives us it. But then go back and read those 14th, 15th, 13th, 13th, 14th, 15th chapters of the book of John, and you'll and clue in on what he is saying about the Holy Spirit. And you'll get an idea that Jesus was getting ready to leave, and he was a bit like a parent. They said, look, this is really important. These are the things you need to know. Kind of like a parent when they go away, and they leave their kids at home. And they say things like, Ori, remember to do this when I'm gone. She looked like, love you, girl. And she's, I'm not sure I love you, Pastor. <laughs> and they leave, and they leave, parent, and parent, they, your parents leave you information, don't they, when, when they go away? So do this, 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 all right? Well, that's, that's what Jesus was doing. He says, look, I'm going away, but do this, this, and this, this. He said, go to Jerusalem and wait for the promise of the Father. And they go, and they hang out in the upper room, someplace called the upper room. And they wait. And when I say, what's behind door number one? I mean, we understand the, the various gifts of the Holy Spirit, prophecy and teaching and all of those things. And, and I, I shared with all, all these things with you last Sunday, all the various lists, lists of the gifts of the Holy Spirit and why those things were given. They were good with that, but the one thing that wasn't in there was tongues. Now I shared with you what the purposes of tongues were and why you desperately need that gift. Why God's intention was for you to have that gift. That it, that it was, the, in a sense, the gateway to the other gifts. Okay? Huh? And I know some people are probably digging their heels in this. That's not what my Baptist pastor told you. Of course he's not going to tell you that. They believed all those things died, uh, died off at the end of, the, of, of, of the, 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 the death of the last of the 12 apostles. It's, it's wrong. It's wrong. Okay. All right. 
Here we go, Acts 1. The first account I composed, Theopolis. Now, this is Luke. Evidently, he wrote to some, some Greek named Theopolis. He, and he's, he's laying out the gospel. He says, this first, the first account I composed, Theopolis, all about, about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day that he was taken up into heaven, after he had, by the Holy Spirit, given orders to the apostles whom he had chosen. To these he presented himself alive after his, after his suffering by many convincing proofs, appearing to them over a period of 40 days and speaking of the things concerning the kingdom of God. You know, that 40 day was, days was pregnant with God's instruction. You know, you know, I'm going. This is getting ready. Something's getting ready to happen. You need to be on top of this. Gathering them together. He commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for what the Father had promised, which he said, You've heard of me, for, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Now, that's kind of an interesting way of putting it. The word baptism means to be, is, is, means to be immersed. I know some of you were sprinkled, and that, that whatever, I, I don't know what to do with that, okay? Okay. Uh, but the baptism, this kind of a baptism, speaks of, of not only an immersion, but a, but the baptism, you know, you take a, what happens if you take a sponge and you baptize it? You know what I mean, baptize it, but, but put it under the sink? It not only gets wet, it gets wet inside, it's saturated. That's the, that's the picture that, uh, that, that, that we have in this baptism. And we see it later when he says, be filled with the Holy Spirit, not just covered on the outside, not just wet on the outside, he says, be filled. That's what he was talking about. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they were asking, Lord, is it this time you're restoring the kingdom to Israel? And that same old saw, they still didn't get it. They thought that, you know, okay, you know, when are we going to do the kingdom thing? When do we get to sit left and right of you, Jesus, in the kingdom? Uh, he said, it's not for you to know the times or the epics which the Father has fixed by his own authority. But, now this is, this is really important because he's getting them back on track to what he's trying to tell them. He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and even to the remotest part of the earth. And when he had done these things, he was lifted up while they were looking, uh, looking on and a cloud received him out of their sight. Now, now I just want to spend just a few 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 moments here. You'll receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and then you, you will be my witnesses. Now, as I look at the scripture and the context of, 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 the, of the living of the, of the disciples, I find that they had power. There was a, there was a holy supernatural power that, took, that, that, that became accessible in their lives. One of those things, one of the outcomes of that power, one of the outcomes, and I want to share, I want to, you know, of course, the gifts were part of that too, but, but was, was fearlessness. Fearlessness. Now, I shared with you, and I asked the question a, a little bit ago, and it says, you know, whenever you share, you know, there's fear, right? Anybody ever, you know, you wanted to, to share the gospel with somebody or share your testimony with somebody or tell them about Jesus, however you want to put it, and there was this reluctance. Okay? Huh? And, and perhaps we could call it fear. In some cases, 
Um, you could call it fear, right? Would you, would you go that far and say, I was afraid to say anything about Jesus? This is not uh, unique that people would be fearful because <laughs> it's... <laughs> well, let me, let me just share the before. Let's just share about Peter. Now, I love that story about Peter, and I'm just going to... I'm not going to go to the passage. I'm just going to expect that most of you have heard this before or if you read the Bible, okay? And you'll know that I'm telling you the truth. Well, Peter, before Jesus, was, before Jesus went to the cross, uh, he was, he was talking to, Jesus was talking to his disciples, and he began to unfold to them uh, the next few days. And he began to talk to them about, they're going to, you know, they're, they're going to kill me. They're going to take me. They're going to try me. In, in, in so many words. And and Peter, he rose up and, and he said, oh, no, no, no. And, and, and Jesus rebuked him and said, said, Peter, you know, get behind me, Satan, because you value the things of this world. And it came down to a place at, at the dinner table. He says, you know, the, my hour is coming and you will all leave me. You're all going to abandon me, essentially is what he was saying. And they got it. They understood this. And Peter, again, this is, this Peter, I'm not beat, this is not beat up on Peter Day, okay? But Peter said, all these other, uh, you know, can I, can I put it in kind of like today's vernacular? All these other clowns around the table, they'll leave you, but I won't. I'll die with you. These other guys, I mean, I've looked at them and they don't have it, Jesus. They just don't got it. But I will. I will stand with you. I will die with you. And then here was a cool, here was an interesting thing that I'm sure Peter just, huh? what? Jesus said, I'll tell you the truth, Peter. Before the rooster crows in the morning, you're going to deny me three times. Deny that you ever knew me. Okay? Fear is a powerful thing. Fear is a powerful thing. And when we're talking about spiritual things, Fear takes on additional dimensions. And you know, the, you know the story. They came and got Jesus that night. I mean, G, uh, Peter was pretty cool. He, he, you know, he was, he's, he's from western New York. He pulled, the, he pulled the big knife out and sliced off somebody's ear, right? He says, well, you're not going to take my man, right? And Jesus told him to put his sword away. Okay? So, you know, he, he, was, he was courageous, he was courageous. They took Jesus and they took him into uh, an area where they were going to try him, where they were going to examine him. And Peter followed. Howbeit, he, the scripture says he followed from afar. You know, that was the first clue of fear. When you and I begin to follow Jesus from a safe distance... Man, we could go with that one all day, couldn't we? Where is the safe distance? Ultimately, following Jesus from that safe distance put him into an un, uh, you might say, a, 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 a crowd that was against Jesus. Didn't it? Warming his hands by the fire, and one of the guys said, Look, boy, you've got a familiar accent. You know, you've got a Galilean accent. Are you? Didn't I see you with Jesus? Oh, no. No. Wasn't me. Later on, a similar thing was said to him, and, and for, for, you might say, for emphasis. 
Peter uh, ramped it up a little bit and began to cuss. You know? You know what I mean? He says, I want you to, in other words, I really want you to believe me here. So, squiggle, squiggle, uh, you know, exclamation, whatever it is. No! I didn't, you know, I, I don't know, I don't know the man. Then later on, the little girl said, I'm sure I saw you with him. And he just kind of blubbered out and says, I don't know the man. I have no idea what you're talking about. And it was at that point that the rooster crowed. You know, it's amazing. See, I don't think Peter went there that day. I don't think Peter went there that day expecting that he would fail so miserably. He loved Jesus, didn't he? Anybody know that? He loved Jesus following three years. You know, walked on water, man. I mean, seriously, this was, this was, he, if anybody was close to Jesus, Peter was in that circle. Peter, James, and John, right? You hear those names over and over and over again. They're, they're in there. They're, they're the tighter group. Yet, and, with, and, and he had already made up his mind. I'm going to die with Jesus. But when push came to shove, when fear uh, was a part of the equation, the spiritual, and the spiritual dimensions were, were at work in this thing, he caved like a cheap suit. Didn't he? Caved. And what was his response? Once that rooster crowed, immediately he realized his failure. And it says he went out and wept bitterly. Wept bitterly. That was right before the crucifixion. You don't hear too much about Peter for the next little bit. You just don't hear much. You know, he's, he's there. Maybe he's, you know, he was always boisterous, saying, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. Maybe now that, you know, failure is not always a bad thing. Failure sometimes brings us to a place of, of humility. Nobody likes to fail. Anybody like to fail here? I don't think anybody likes to fail. But failure sometimes brings us to a place of reasonable humility. Recognizing that we are not everything that we need to be. And we need God. So he's kind of in the background. And you don't mind me just kind of telling the story, do you? So, Pastor, you got the microphone. <laughs> and so, you know, and you see, in the next, the next uh, number of days as Jesus began to appear among them, we see Jesus restore Peter by the side of the river, by the, by the river. You know, they get out there. So they're like in, in negative G's. What I mean by that is negative G's is like whenever you're, you're, you're they toss you up in the air in that split moment before gravity takes, takes you. You don't, you don't know where the floor is. In other words, they'd spent three years following Jesus with some expectations, and now in spite of what Jesus had said, they didn't know what to do. All they knew was they were hiding because of fear, for fear of the Jews. When I say the Jews, the, 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 the people who were in charge of Jerusalem and the people who had, crucif- who had been behind the crucifixion of Jesus. They were kind of hiding out. Jesus would visit with them every once in a while. And one, of the, one day, they said, G, Peter said, look, I'm going fishing, guys. <clears throat> Dick spoke eloquently on this a couple Sunday nights ago. And they went out, and they were fishing. 
Didn't catch anything. All night long. These guys knew, the, these guys knew where all the, fishings, the best fishing holes were. But they caught nothing all night long. And as they were very wearily bringing their ship to their boat to shore, there was somebody standing in the in the in the in the early twilight of the morning. And he and he yelled from the shore and says, "Children, do you have any fish?" Well, I said, "We don't have any." And he said, "Try the other side of the boat." <laughs> Land lover. <laughs> you know, it's like, <laughs> really? The other side of the boat, okay? <laughs> but there was something that reminded Peter of the, the wait a second, deja vu. I'm, something about this is, is, reminds me. And if we rewind the story all the way back to the beginning, when Jesus was first calling his disciples, we find him by the shore of Galilee. And James and John and Peter, they had their boats pushed up against the sand and they were mending their nets. They'd been out all night. They hadn't caught anything. And Jesus was teaching, teaching the people right there within the hearing of Peter and James and John and Zebedee and all those people. He could, they could hear him. And when Jesus got done, done, done teaching, he says, Hey, Peter, why don't you take your boat out there and get some fish? <laughs> Peter had been there. He says, Jesus, we have now, he, he said it this way, we've been out all night and we caught nothing. But at your word, I mean, he was on the, he was on the, he was the bench there. I mean, Jesus had asked for something. What was he going to do? We've been out all night. No doubt, very weary. We've just mended our nets, but if you insist, we're going out. They went out, threw, threw, the, threw, the, threw the net in, and boom, more fish than they could handle. So that was three years earlier. So when, G, so, so when this guy was standing on this side of the, uh, they didn't know who it was. He was standing on the side of the shore in the early morning twilight and he spoke to, to them uh, as they were coming in, try the other side of the boat. Something clicked. And they put the net out one more time on that other side. And they could not even, it, they had to ask for help. They could not pull the fish in. Okay? On that occasion, see, remember the first was... was Jesus was calling Peter and his disciples three years earlier. Same event, same kind of uh, circumstances. And now, here's Jesus again. And when they pulled ashore, Jesus had a little fire going. And there was cook, fish for cooking. And as they sat there, Jesus asked the question three times. Interesting, three times. Okay? He denied him how many times? Three. And he says, do you love me more than these? Now, some people would say, you know, he's talking about the fish. No. I think it was, he was saying, your disciples, you remember, remember what you said before? Even though these, these guys run away, I will, I love you, I will die with you. And Jesus said to them, do you love me more than these? Knowing that he failed. And he said, you know I like you, Jesus. That's what he said. I mean, he's been burnt once. He's not going to say, oh, yes, I love you, you know? He's been burnt once before. He says, you know, I like you, 
Jesus. That's, that's what the word said, meant. A little bit later, he said, Jesus, or I mean, Peter, do you like me? Probably a little exasperated, getting a little irritated. Peter said, you know, Lord, you know I, lo- I like you. Okay? And Jesus asked him, do you love me? Do you love me? He says, you know I like you. That's, that was, that's how the conversation was going. And finally, Jesus said, Peter, do you even like me? That's what the word was. <laughs> and Peter just collapsed in this. I can see it. He says, Lord, you know all things. You know my frame. You know my failures. You know that I love you. And he said, feed my sheep. Recalling, pulling them in. Okay? So, so we're talking about the... Now, I'm, I'm giving you a little history of Peter and, and how this works into the Holy Spirit. I want to share with you in a minute. Okay? In his own strength, he failed. On the day of Pentecost, it says the Holy Spirit came. And I read that passage to you last week. It was Acts 2.4. On the day of Pentecost, when they were all together with one accord, and there came a, a sound as the rushing mighty wind received the Holy Spirit. And there rested on, on each of one of them a tongue of fire. Okay? That symbolized uh, the, the, the fire on God's altar and also uh, the, the, the fire that came down from heaven uh, into each and every one of the tabernacles where God's presence would dwell. Uh, f- uh, from the tabernacle to the temple, uh, to, 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 to the temple. And now, who are we now? We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. See? You see, boom, 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 boom. Okay? Okay. And then the tongues. And they made such a noise. I mean, we were quiet this morning, guys. Sometimes I wonder, maybe we should, you know, get a little more excited about what... We have a lot to get excited about. I don't want, to, I don't want people out there in their flesh, but, you know, God's, God's done such great work in you, right? Yeah? What did he do? He, he took you from a place of sin and destruction, of damnation, and he t- took that away from you. He put that guy or that gal in your life with which you've had children and you've had a life. And your life now is so much better than it was. He leads you. He guides you. He sends, you know, you get the picture. And so we we see the Holy Spirit comes. And they have, you know, what what was behind door number one? That blew everybody's mind. There's only one passage in this, I believe it's Isaiah 11, Isaiah 20, where it says, with a stammering lips and foreign tongue, I will speak to these people. And, and Peter comes later on, later on and he, he connects this passage to this event in Acts 2 4. Okay? That's the only passage that kind of gives us a picture that maybe something strange was going to happen other than the wind blowing, other than the fire. And it was just so happened that it was on the day of Pentecost, which was really cool because everybody was in Jerusalem at the time. And it was at the hour of prayer. So they were all close to this place. And there was such a noise that took place in this prayer meeting where whatever was going on, 
that it attracted attention from the street. People began coming, pouring out of the temple and, and all over. They were from all over, not all over, not only all over Israel, but all over the world. Greeks, Parthians, Medes, all kinds of Jews were there to worship on the day of Pentecost. And what did they hear? They heard languages that they understood, speaking of the glories of God. But in that, in that place, we read some of this. Rather than just tell it, I'll read the scripture. We find it here. It says, and it's in the second chapter of, uh, of uh, it says, those people came together where they were praying. He says, they were amazed and astonished. This is verse 7, chapter 2. Why are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it each of, uh, we each hear them in our own language to which we were born? And it goes and it gives us a big list of Parthians, Medes, Elamites, on and on and on, Arabs. And we, we hear them in our own tongue speaking the mighty deeds of God. And, what, and, and they all continued in amazement and great perplexity. I understand that. Saying to one another, what, what does all this mean? But others were saying, eh, they're full, they're drunk. They've been, they've been sipping sweet wine, whatever sweet wine is, but it must have had alcohol in it. Says they're drunk, but Peter's taking. Uh, and I wait a second. I, I, wanna, I want you to bring. This was the after the Holy Spirit fell. Remember what Jesus said: "You'll receive power, and you'll be my witnesses." Now we, the picture that I've been 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 proposing to you of Peter, it's a biblical picture. Was a was a guy who really wanted to do the right things, but somehow when push came to shove, he failed. Fear was a part of that. And here they are saying, they were mocking. These people are full of sweet wine. Peter taking his stand with the eleven raised his voice and declared to them, Men of Judea and all who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give heed to my words. For these men are not drunk as you suppose, for it's only the third hour of the day. It's nine in the morning. But that, this is what was spoken of through the prophet Joel, and it will come about, in, in, it will be in the last days, God says, that I will pour forth my spirit on all mankind, and so on and so forth. You can read the rest later on. I will pour forth, and he begins to preach, and he begins to speak to the very people who crucified Jesus. I see a transformation that's taken place in Peter. The, the, nothing else has changed. The only thing that's changed, really, is that he received the Holy Spirit. He received the Holy Spirit. He found some courage that he didn't have. Found some courage. Now, you can read on through that. Through, but let's, let's talk about, okay, Jesus said, once you receive the Holy Spirit, you'll receive power to be my witnesses. There's other things that, that come through that power also, okay? Power to be my witnesses. Fear to fearless. Could anybody say amen to that? Fear to fearless. And the, and the, and the, and the, the denominator that was present was the Holy Spirit. Okay? All right. Now, most of us are familiar with the historic persecution against the church, right? Okay? 
how that uh, various Roman emperors, I mean, they, you know, the church grew powerfully. I mean, the, 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 the Jewish community was against them. Stephen was killed, the scattered, the, scattered the church, etc. The Roman emperors put, put, uh, used Christians as, as game tools in the, the arena, and, 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 and most of us know about these things. Ultimately, and if you if you if you if you want to read about stuff like this, there there's things like the Fox's Book of Martyrs. In other words, there's been some pushback here. There's always going to be pushback because Satan's behind it. Christians are the the people of the Most High God. They are the children of God. To those who believed on His name, He gave authority and power to become the sons of the Living God. That's what the Scripture says. Satan wants to destroy that. We know that. So the pushback, the persecution that we see historically. And you can read Fox's Book of Martyrs and there are other, other sites you can go now. Satan uh, is behind this and it, and it continues today. Now some of the sources tell me that there are over 50 nations today in 2013 that have laws that prohibit Christianity in some form or fashion. Uh, we know and, and, and this, this, seldom, this seldom, if ever, makes the news. Yeah. That we have probably over 100,000 Christian martyrs a year. 100,000 plus Christian martyrs, people who are killed for their faith. Now, that doesn't necessarily happen here in the States. Our laws are different. But even Israel has laws that you can't proselyte, proselyze Jewish people. Makes it against the law. You don't hear much about that because, quite frankly, they, they depend a whole lot on, on, on uh, the, 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 the money that flows from the Christian community into Israel. A lot does. But under the, under the direction and under the influence of higher orthodoxy within the Jewish community, Christianity is hated and not completely accepted. Islam, we've got... You know, all you have to do is do a search. You'll find that in, in nations such so all over the Middle East, not only the Middle East, Indonesia, if, if Christian churches exist, they're being burned and people are being enslaved. Okay? People being enslaved, used, and, and not to mention some of the, some of the smaller things of, of, like the poverty that comes with not being a part of the accepted group of the nation. Now, that's one of the reasons, if you look into the, into, into the New Testament, and you'll find Paul always taking offerings back to the brothers and the sisters who are in Jerusalem. Well, the problem was is you couldn't work. No one would give you a job. If you weren't, if you were of this particular faith, and it's just another form of persecution. 100,000 people per year, churches attacked, Christians slain, beheaded, enslaved. And what about us today? I mean, we live in a nation where, where you know, it's, it's fairly, I mean, we recognize things have shifted, haven't they? Yeah? Things have shifted. Yeah? And, and even though, and there is this, 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 this war that's kind of under, and, and it's, it's because our nation's shifted, it's changed. Not a Christian nation anymore. And 
Fear's real. It's tangible. When you go out and share your faith, you're a Christian, you're supposed to share your faith. Okay? But fear is real. It's tangible. And it has the capacity to mold and redirect our behavior. And quite frankly, you know, I, I, I just look... Some of the reasons, and I'll just share some of these. One of the reasons, some of the reasons we are reluctant to share our faith. Some of us have forgotten how really good the good news is. Yeah? We're too busy. We, we're just really busy people. Or we're embarrassed. We don't want to be associated with other crazy Christians. We don't know what to say. Or we don't know any non-Christians. You know, if you're in the church long enough... <laughs> All of your associations are in the church. Yeah. Thank you. Somebody's with me here. We don't think it's necessary. Some people don't think it's necessary. If God wants to save them, let them save them. He'll do it. Okay? We don't think it's our job. That's the pastor's job. It's not very politically correct. You know, everybody's supposed to be okay with whatever anybody else does, right? It's not very cool. We're just too lazy. Some of the youth think, and not our youth, but this comes from a youth, youth uh, 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 page. They think that the youth leadership team will do it for them. They're going to share Jesus with, for, for us. Youth are all, oftentimes afraid of rejection. You know? They want to be liked. This brings conflict and maybe rejection. Perhaps they lack the confidence they don't know how to bring it up. You ever, feel, you ever been there? They're afraid they don't know enough. They're afraid that they'll be labeled religious. And, and sadly, sometimes they don't share faith because it's not, lived, it's not lived and practiced at home and in the churches that they're in. Not sure how to say things. Not wanting to say the wrong thing. Worry that they will identify me as a Christian and think all Christians are like me. Fear of insulting the other person. Fear of being ridiculed. Not wanting to be the fanatic who tries to force their faith on other people. Not wanting to come off as self-righteous or I'm better than you or patronizing. Laziness or selfishness or not willing to make the time, investment, and energy to, to, to have a relationship strong enough to share faith. Struggling with telling other folks their faith is wrong. I talked talk to you about the example of Peter. God, God wanted you to be equipped for the very things he, he, he asked you to do. He didn't ask you to do these things all by yourself, just kind of gut it out. He says, go into all the world and teach and preach the gospel. I recognize some people are natural evangelists. And I've read a book called uh, Contagious Christianity. Sometimes I've taught it. And... and you know, it's not, and, and there are lots of different kinds of people, and they share their faith in different ways. Not everybody is a buttonholer, you know, grab you by the, by the collar and say, come to Jesus, you know? And some people are pretty uncomfortable with that. But we're still commanded to share. Now, hopefully love, love of humanity, love of humanity, love of the people around us will compel us so that they won't suffer, that they could have the joy and the peace of Christ. Love should compel us, if the word of God does not, to be willing to share what we know. 
One thing I do, rec- that I've gotten real comfortable with saying is, a, you know, I've got, I'm supposed to know a whole lot. Not only am I a pastor, I've got two master's degrees and a doctorate and, and all this stuff, okay? I'm supposed to know a whole lot, but I've gotten real comfortable with saying, I don't know. People can come up with questions I don't know. And you know what? People will respect that if you say, look, I don't know. I'll try to find out. You don't need to know it all. You don't need to know it all. But see, God, God did not expect you to do this by yourself. He sent the Holy Spirit. And we see the example. He says, and essentially, Jesus said, look, uh, go into all the world and teach and preach the gospel. Share. Build the kingdom of God. Do it. But wait. Go to Jerusalem and, and wait for the promise of the Father. Now, how does that work for us? Now, that was a, something that was set in time. He still wants us to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, let me, let me read a couple of passages to you, and then, I'll, then, then we'll get down to some prayer. First Timothy or 2 Timothy, first chapter says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, and of love, and a sound mind. Ephesians 5 tells us, this is God's, be considerate, and know what God's will is for you. That you not be drunk with wine, he says, and this is the context, and I'll just quote it all, but that you be filled with the Holy Spirit. See? God's will is that you be filled with, with the Holy Spirit. Now, there's, there's, yeah, that's right. It's His will. Now, I guess you can call your own shots. I mean, we're good at that, aren't we? We're really good at saying, you know, I don't do that. Uh, you know, I, I'll go this far, but I won't go that far. We're good at calling our own shots and keeping God at arm's distance. I don't know what the, the motivation is, fear. Fear of, of our friends? Fear of the people around us? You know? what, what, what internal personal motivation would, 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 would suffice, would be sufficient for us to look into the face of Almighty God who has sent His Spirit and has called us to ministry and called us to share the gospel? What in the world would be equal and, and would... would, would would be sufficient to motivate us to say, no, God, I'm going to do it my way. He says, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, I talked to you last week about how to receive every gift from God. It's like salvation. How did you receive salvation? You know it was available. You knew it was there for you. It was biblical. And what did you do? He says, you, you, you prayed a simple prayer. <laughs> I'm sure my prayer didn't sound like your prayer. But God, God understood the heart. And he knew I wanted him. He knew I wanted forgiveness. You know, I didn't follow up a particular pattern. I remember when I came back to him, I said, God, I want to try again. Boom. Bam. And he was there. Yeah? He knew. It was faith. I trusted him. I asked for it. The same is true with this gift and every other gift. God, I want to receive the fullness of the Holy Spirit. And I'm here. You fill me. <laughs> I believe in it. 
And Lord, if you, if, if you can do with me what you want, I surrender myself to you. I want you more than the friendship of those who would reject me. I want you more than the approval of those who would laugh at me. I want you more and your will more than the love of those who care nothing for you. Stand with me. Could we have some music? Now, I just, I'm just going to open the altars. And the, some of you who, who want to come and spend some time in prayer, you just come now. Come now. And uh, nobody's going to beat on anybody's back. Here's a place of surrender. That's why we call it an altar. And that's really kind of what we've got to do. God has revealed himself in his word, so this is the way it is. This is what I want for you. Will you surrender yourself to that? To his will? Will you do that? Now, you can do that where you are. I, and I implore you. It is the will of God that you be filled with the Holy Spirit. There's, I, I've got so much more I can say about this and will in, in the future. Because of the filling, the baptism is kind of like this one event that happens that opens the door to so many other things. But the filling of the Holy Spirit comes and comes, and the context of that is usually worship, prayer, surrender, okay? Faith. Do you trust Him? Do you believe Him? Just tell, just if you come around this altar and say, God, I want you to fill me with the Holy Spirit. I want you to fill me, I, I surrender to you. I want you to fill me with the Holy Spirit. Lift your hands to Him. Concentrate on Him. Close your eyes, if you will, to shut out other things around you. And see Him and say, Jesus, I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I surrender myself. I surrender my, my own will. I surrender my own pride. You do with me as you will. I belong to you. You have bought me with a price. I know that. That means I'm yours. I have no right to say no to you. In fact, what I want is everything that you want for me. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. As we sing, as we worship, come and fill these altars and just submit yourself to Him. Let's worship.